and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Baska, and today I'm speaking with production designer Susie Davies about her work on the film Saltburn. Saltburn is a film brought to us by Emerald Fennell, who brings us a beautifully wicked tale of privilege and desire. Struggling to find his place at Oxford University, student Oliver Quick, played by Barry Keoghan, finds himself drawn into the world of the charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, who invites him to Saltburn, his eccentric family's sprawling estate, for a summer never to be forgotten. So hello, Susie. It's so great to meet you after being an enormous fan of your work watching this film, Saltburn. I'm just absolutely blown away at the level of detail uh, given to each character and the way that they inhabit this world. And of course, the character of the house itself, I think, is just so marvelous in this jewel of a film. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the early conversations that you had with Emerald as you were crafting this universe in this very strange collaboration, (laughs) if you don't mind my saying that. (laughs) No, that makes sense to me. The fantastic thing with Emerald is that she is a writer-director. So that story has come from that that mind of hers. And so when we were discussing the look of it, she has the look, she knows the look, she's had the look in her mind for the 10 years that this story has been permeating in in a in a imagination so when i came on board we i'd put a pitch together i'd read her script put a pitch together and our mood boards are very similar which was the sort of playfulness of very traditional british gothic films that look beautiful the merchant ivory sort of vibes the you know over overly um expensive looking mansions and all shot very artily, like a painting, but then with modern contemporary pop culture sort of mashed up. So everyone needed to look beautiful. Everything needed to look beautiful. But then as we progressed through the story, you'd start to see the slight ugliness butted right up against the beauty. And it was the juxtaposition of opposites, light and dark, dry and wet, sweaty, um, shiny, colourful, and then no colour at all or, or tonal, you know, by two mm-hmm. tones, black and white vibes. So a bit, we were like magpies sort of trying to navigate our world to, to settle on our colour palettes and our feelings about the film. But we, we got there and and I think for her to have that boldness to allow people like me and costume and makeup and the DOP to then explode her vision uh, on screen, because I think it feels like a really collaborative effort from from script to screen you know I think the costumes are amazing I mean Linus lit my sets so beautifully Sean's makeup it all just all comes together and then with that amazing cast and the amazing direction we're onto a winner you know it just felt it felt really exciting to create that world and it's a stunning world and I love the way that you describe it as the opulence of merchant ivory meets this modern sensibility but one of the my favorite things about this film is just how much it feels like Brideshead revisited meets unfriended or something almost and yeah, you know kind hearts and- sorry go ahead yeah kind hearts and coronets absolutely and yeah. Pressburger and Hitchcock like yeah picking everything and of course we would like we used contemporary culture to inspire us and I think that's what we enjoy doing is just like picking those little bits out and then 
mashing them together and getting that rhythm going. And it's really powerful, the effect that's created, especially when you have this contrast between scenes that are very realistic, and then you have sequences like with the red curtains that go full arch in really yeah. beautiful ways. Yeah. And I wondered if if you could talk a little bit about the decision for that scene in particular for mm-hmm. the family. I wonder if you could give kind of a microcosm of your process trying to figure out how you were going to source the curtains and all of that. I'd love to hear the nitty gritty of that. Because uh, that is one of my favorite scenes. I just love that. And it, and I think it's because we pre- we'd... It would it sort of evolved during prep. So obviously we we going back even further. One of the very first conversations I had with Emerald was about what do these characters eat, what do they smell like. So it wasn't just about the visions; it was about all the other senses. We wanted to sort of ramp up everyone's senses. So yeah, we spoke about taste and texture and smell, and we spoke about shepherd's pie. That that is such a British midweek supper that that had to happen you know they were definitely going to be to shepherd's pie at some stage and and fair enough it happened in this scene and in that particular room in in the location we were filming in I, I mean I was given free reign to do quite a lot to that house however that room that they called their dining room it was so we had such ornate plaster work that I I didn't want to paint near I didn't want to change the colors but I know I wanted to bring more color into the room so we did it with chair covers and that's where we meet Oliver having the runny egg so it started to think okay yellow and white that's let's bring a bit more pop colors those like strong yellows and reds into this and that sort of then jumped onto the the little orange bit you often get in an egg and um the slightly disgusting bit and we're, that sort of vibed again, and we knew we needed to have curtains, and there weren't any curtains in that room. So we, during prep, quite a few different colours and textures hanging in our office window, and I think we'd gone for a slightly more blood red colour. Not at that stage, thinking they were ever going to be closed and used to such an effort. But then during prep, when we decided on this slightly more orange shot silk and we'd put a little pattern that was replicated on some of the plaster work in the room. And then we put a very strong red orange carpet on the floor. I think then Emerald started to vibe with that and decided the curtains are going to be closed for half of this scene. And we we see the the footmen moving towards it. And I just think it's so powerful to play 50% of that scene in that two-tone of red and black. It's It's yeah. just extraordinary and how all those the i mean i think the cast knock it out of the park in that scene every one of them bring something special and when venetia starts pouring the wine and the, it's all going red and it's got i mean mm-hmm. you're just you're just going yeah losing everyone's losing their marbles and it's off it goes yeah but it's so powerful because it's the details in that scene like the fact that you feel like you can taste that really dry shepherd's pie. You feel like you're there because of this world that you built up with this careful attention to detail and the glass and the the way that the molding and the curtains and the everything looks a certain way and it so mm. when when the sudden shift happens and Duncan closes the curtains it's it's amazing. It's so yeah. incredible. Yeah. 
It was, and it's fun because I think the the whole story starts to spin more out of control. You even see Duncan the butler start to lose it, lose his control of the situation, and it. And I feel like the film take goes into another gear there. It's yeah, very interesting, pivotal scene. No, it's it's absolutely stunning, and I wonder also if you could talk a little bit about how you worked with props as well in terms of trying to come up with exactly the right fit for certain kinds of pivotal uh, (laughs) pieces, let's say, like the cat and players. I'm very curious about how, how those things came to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm very lucky. I've had some really amazing proper model makers work with us on this, on this project. So the cat and players, that proscenium march that we, that we see was to help suggest that this family, this is this family who've lived in this house for a thousand years have been uh, are renowned party givers and party throwers. And back in the Victorian era, that was quite a thing to do was to be put on a little performance for your guests. And we decided that that was still in there, one of the outhouses and the staff would go and bring it out. And they, these, this, the Catton family would have maybe two or three parties a year. So it wasn't unusual and they had it, everything. And then that started to become a little bit of a theme. And we created it in the same format that we filmed it so that we could fill a frame. And then we put it in that little pro box and had our characters dancing. And again, the mechanism goes slightly off. So they're all sort of playing. And that was like a happy accident. We couldn't make that run smoothly at all. But <laughs> actually, it worked. It, it, yeah, uh, it was fortuitous, because I think Emerald was like, I prefer it like this. This is what I want. They're, they're all, you know, they're all losing it. Yeah, it was really fun to do all those small details. Yeah. And I wonder if you could also talk a little bit about is there is there a particular distinction that this film holds in your career? I'm just very curious. I mean, I feel very um, lucky to have worked with Emerald on this. You know, it was a really special project. It was one of those jobs where we all, the whole crew really, really were a real team doing it. So, and for a filmmaker, our process of making films is often different from a viewer. I'm never going to see this film in an audience and not know with an audience and not know about, you know, I've known about it. And in a way I feel annoyed because I would have liked to have been shocked as much. I mean, I, when I first saw it, I did, I was blown away because it was six months after I'd finished my work on it. So there was a nice bit of separation, but ultimately for a filmmaker who makes these films, we don't get to see it as an audience member. So it's more about the adventure and the journey making it. And this was one of the most amazing, uh, rewarding journeys that I've made just, to be able to be given free, not free reign, but I just felt like we all hit the ground in the, and we're going in the same direction. So it's, it felt really satisfying to have an end product look look so good, you know, and all our work be seen. So many people I speak to talk, pick up the details like you about, you know, with the with the curtains and the 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 food and things like that. It really means a lot to to all of all of us, you know, that people see the detail and the effort we go through. Sometimes you'll do a film and it. You don't see the effort behind it. And I guess you shouldn't see the effort to a certain extent. It's a story being told, but it's nice when we get recognized for the for the work we do, especially when we've had such an enjoyable process doing it. Oh, and it's it's really stunning attention to detail and the passion that you all brought to this project shows through so clearly. I want to thank you so very much for 
sharing about this process and this magical film. I I can't say enough wonderful things about it. It's oh, definitely it's one of my top nice. films of the year. So Ooh, nice one. Thank you so yeah. much for the questions. Really good. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you so much. And good luck with what I hope is a fruitful award season, shall we say? So <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.